last week I ended with the idea of um, he must increase and I must decrease. And how John the Baptist was talking about that, um, that his time virtually um, in, in the season in which his ministry was happening, he had, he had then, um, Jesus had come, he was the Messiah. And he said, okay, my, my time, the way I was doing ministry is now going to be focused on pushing people to Jesus and gonna be pushing people to him. And so now he's saying, I must decrease, he must increase. And he starts there and he takes his disciples and tells them, because John the Baptist had disciples, and he pushes them to Jesus and says, you need to follow him. He must increase, I must decrease. And so when we look at that idea of being more like Jesus, that's really a good way to look at it, but shouldn't we ask the question, what did Jesus say about that? Because we, in some ways, looked at what John the Baptist said about that. So what did Jesus say about that? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, meaning be more like Jesus. So, so where do we begin with that? Where do we begin with that? And, and we are going to begin with, with that, with a passage of Scripture, but, but I want to set it up before we get there. Um, and you're going to have to humor me for just a second on this because I realize not everybody has maybe seen the show that I'm going to refer to, but there's a new show, and it's a Star Wars show. Yes, I like Star Wars, but just stick with me on this for a second, okay? And, and the show is called The Mandalorian, and it's on Disney+. And there was a really interesting part of that show that just screamed out our, the, the Christian life to me, all right, when I watched it. And so you've got a couple of, of guys in Mandalorians within the Star Wars universe. They follow a creed and a way of living. And the way that they live unites them and brings them together. And there's a scene in the first couple of episodes where there's a couple of Mandalorians that are fighting. And they end up stopping and they make this statement to each other. They say, this is the way. And they stop and they just kind of, and, and somebody says, this is the way. And they're like, because they literally have like knives at each other's throats. And they're like, and they, and they just stop. And they're like, you know what? And it centers them, it unifies them, it reminds them of the commitment that they had made. It reminds them of the way of life in which they had committed to. And boy, I just watched that and I'm like, wow, what an interesting statement. And how much of a parallel there is there with the Christian life in, in many ways. Because that statement as I mentioned, it reminds them of the creed. It reminds them of the commitment that they made. And trusting Jesus as Savior is a one-time event, right? But following him daily is a lifestyle. Following him is the way in which we should live. And I also find it very interesting that the first Christians in the book of Acts, they were, before they were called Christians, does anybody know what they were called before that? Followers of the way. They were called followers of the way. Why is that? Well, because the way in which you live is exactly what Jesus was talking about. He was, he was not just teaching a certain list of do's and don'ts, and we're going to get into that here in a minute. He was teaching a new way of life. He said, behold, I make all things new, right? And, and he's teaching a way of life, and they were followers of the way. And so this verse that I want to start with is possibly, and I, at least for me, I believe one of the most, if not the most, challenging verses, passages of Scripture in the Bible. Because I remember reading this verse and hearing this verse, and I, I actually remember my dad 
um, reading this verse and teaching this verse in his house. He used to do a Bible study in his house um, with a bunch of, of uh, college kids and teenagers. And um, it was probably about the only thing that kept us out of trouble. But um, I remember him teaching on this verse and it has stuck with me and stuck with me and stuck with me. And so when I think about the idea of being more like Jesus, my brain, I just kept going back to this. And this is a challenging verse. It's a challenging passage. And every time I read it, it hits me in the gut. But I, but I feel like we've just got to be honest here. And if we're going to hit the ground running and our focus is to be more like Jesus, then I almost feel like this is the place that we need to start. So if you do have your Bibles or the Bible app and you want to follow along, we're going to start in Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter 3, is the verse that we're going to look at here. So if we want to be more like Jesus, let's start with the words of Jesus from Revelation chapter 3. And this is Jesus speaking. He's talking to the church of Laodicea. And this is the church that is known as the lukewarm church, which many theologians believe represents the church age in which we are living today. And I find that really hard to argue, quite frankly. It says this, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were one or the other, but since you were like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, what Jesus is saying here is, if you're hot, I can use you. Really hot water can be used. If you're hot, I can use you. If you're cold, I can deal with you. (laughs) I can deal with you, But but if you're lukewarm, really not good for much. That's challenging. That hits you right here. We've all heard the term, somebody that's on fire for Jesus, right? That's probably one of the most like overused terms in Christendom over the last 50 years. Um, you just hear that all the time, um, or at least you did. Um, and, but, but there's some validity to that statement. Somebody that's on fire for Jesus and, and, and all of that. And then and that person, obviously God can use, wants to use all of that. But then you've got your person that's cold and is just completely, wants nothing to do with God, and they're just completely over to the side. Well, they're not even really in the way, if you think about it, in some ways is what that's saying. But it's, it's the wishy-washy, the lukewarm that's in the middle. And this is the challenging thing that I always remember my dad saying is the end of this, is I will spit you out of my mouth. That's essentially God saying, you make me want to puke. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't, I can't deal with this, is what God's saying, because the lukewarm, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're just in the way. <laughs> That's, boy, that, that hits you right here, daily. That, that's a statement, that's an idea, that's a be more like Jesus kind of statement and kind of idea that just hits you. And and really hits you hard. And so, and so how can we follow Jesus with everything that we are? How, how can we make sure that we're hot or on our way there? Because, I mean, let's be honest. Every day, every day, all of us, in some ways, are right here at maybe different points. Some days are better than others, but, let, I mean, let's be honest. I'd love to tell you that. I mean, yeah, I, I work at the church. I'm the pastor but at the same time, I'm human, I'm fallible, I sin, we all do. There's some days we get it right, there's some days we really don't. And there's some days where 
we all end up doing it. We all end up, ta- we all end up coming to Jesus like, it, like it's a buffet. I want a scoop of this and a scoop of that. But Jesus is saying no. No, no. And he actually goes even further as we, as we go through the scriptures here. Because we shouldn't be striving for an indifferent, lukewarm kind of faith. I've, I've, I've talked with people that, and, and dealt with people over the years that are on fire for Jesus and all that. And I've also had some conversations with people that are completely to the side and, and are skeptics and all of that. And I can have those conversations with those people. In fact, I kind of like it. I like having conversations with those people that are complete skeptics and all of that. But the person that is really, really hard to deal with from a ministry standpoint especially is the lukewarm, indifferent person. The person that's just like, eh, take it or leave it. But man, I find myself looking in the mirror sometimes and going, wow, today I was meh. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we do too. And if we want to be more like Jesus, that's a thing that we have to begin to battle against. And that's what Jesus starts talking about because he takes it a step further. John says, he must increase, I must decrease. Jesus, like he does, takes it a step further. And so we're going to go to Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, there's a there's a, a, a passage of scripture here that's in the other gospels as well. But, but I love the way it's written here. And this is what it says. And this is probably familiar, but it's probably in a little bit of a new light right now in terms of everything that we're talking about. It says, then he called to the crowd. He called the crowd to him along with the disciples. And he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? See, taking up your cross, that idea of taking up your cross, those people in that time knew what that meant. They knew what he was referring to. Crucifixion was a thing that happened. It was part of society. They all understood it. And so when he's talking about taking up your cross, they were thinking about the literal cross. And Jesus was as well to an extent, but he was talking about something much deeper and, and quite, quite honestly, much more important because taking up your cross wasn't a journey. It was a one-way trip. It was a one-way trip when you take up your cross. And many times we take that idea and, and we skew it just a little bit. And here's what I mean. There's two perspectives on this. You've either got self-denial versus deny self. You've got these two things. And a lot of times we end up here at self-denial. And we end up thinking that what what Jesus is talking about here is self-denial. But really what he's talking about is deny self. And you're like, well, it's just the words are just back. But it's not. There's a big difference actually between these two. There's a big difference. Self-denial says do this don't do that. Forsake this. Keep, keep with that. Give up this. Don't give up that. That's not what Jesus was teaching. That's not what Jesus was teaching. And, here, and here's, here's why we know that. Because self-denial, God's a very creative artist, yeah? We are all different. And it took all of humanity. Think about this. We're all created in the image of God, right? We're all created in the image of God, and it took all of humanity to um, express that because all of us are different. 
All of us are different. All different shapes, sizes, and colors, and personalities, and likes, and dislikes, and all of those things. And so what he's not saying is deny who I created you to be. That's not what he's saying. Because who you are created to be and who we are created to be is uniquely important to God, or he wouldn't have created you that way. What Jesus is talking about is deny self. And this is the difference because that is a cross that we all bear. If we were talking about self-denial, it would look different for each and every one of us. But it doesn't. Deny self is more or less the exact same thing for every single one of us. Because we all struggle with the same cross and it's not stuff, it's not physical things or behaviors like we like to think it is. It's actually a battle of the mind and the heart and the will, our will versus his will. And that's what he's talking about. All of those other things, the stuff and the behaviors and all of that other stuff that we like to look at as the scoreboard, if you will, all those things take care of themselves when we're putting it through the lens of Jesus and we're starting with denying my will versus living to the will of God. All those other things end up taking care of themselves. Last week I had this statement up and I, and I wanna put this up again because it really kind of puts this all together. It says this, development and transformation into the life of a disciple, which is what we're talking about with being more like Jesus, is developing and transforming. What does that look like? Begins with complete abandonment of everything else. Complete abandonment of everything else. That's pretty definitive. That's a pretty definitive statement there. Look at Romans 12 too. Paul writes about this. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Yes, he says, don't copy the behaviors and customs, and, and we can look at that and maybe take that the wrong way, but here's what he's saying. Where does that start? It doesn't start with saying, well, I'm doing this and I'm not doing that, or I'm, 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 I'm here or I'm, or I'm there. He says, change the way you think, and that's referring to the way in which we're processing stuff. That's referring to my will versus God's will. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, being more like Jesus, it's not a matter of information remembered or behaviors perfected. It's about a lifestyle that is practiced. This is the way, <laughs> right? Our cross that we choose daily to surrender, we surrender our will and our way to the Lord's will and, and his way, and we follow him, whatever that takes, whatever that requires of us. And that can be difficult sometimes. That can be difficult a lot of times. See, it's not a denial of things. It's putting Jesus at the center of everything and then walking in that daily. Look at this next statement. Jesus never asks us to do something that he hasn't done. Think about that for a minute. Jesus never asks us to do something that he hasn't done. Now, let, let, me, let me put this in context a little bit for you and the way in which I'm talking about this. Because yes, there is, a, there is a degree to the reason we need Jesus is because we can't be perfect. Jesus said, be therefore perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And we can't do that. So we need Jesus. Absolutely, we do. But when it comes to the idea of taking up our cross and following him, do you realize that Jesus actually did that as well? 
He was 100% God and 100% man. But Jesus never asks or expects or desires or wants us to do something that he hasn't done first. And so when he says, take up your cross daily and follow me, it means he did that as well. And so how did he do that? How did he do it? Well, he did physically, literally, take a cross on a bruised, cut up, um, weak, beat up back and body from head to toe and drag that cross up there as far as he possibly could. But do you realize and do you remember what happened in Mark 15 where that cross drove him to his knees and literally to his face and Jesus Christ physically couldn't carry it anymore. And the Romans pulled a man named Simon out of the crowd and said, you carry it for him. The Son of God physically couldn't carry it anymore. Jesus couldn't even physically carry his own cross, and so he would never tell me to carry mine all the way by myself. When Jesus bore that cross, it brought him to a place of collapse where he, he could no longer do it under his own strength. And that is the meaning of deny self. Jesus showed us what that means. That is the meaning of, of deny self because it means coming to a place where you say, I can't make it. Lord, I can't make it on my own anymore. This, the weight of this is more than I can bear. And I believe that there are still a lot of people and I know that there are a lot of people today that are feeling that way that are looking at the circumstance that they're in, the situation that they're in with what's going on in the world, and they're saying, I, I can't do this. God, I can't do this anymore. But herein lies the problem, is that instead of turning to Jesus, we try to push through it, and we try to do it on our own, and we try to, to make it work all on our own. And we have this temptation to want to push through and keep going, but that is not denying ourselves. In fact, that's, that's glorifying ourselves because we're saying, I'm just gonna push through and I'm just gonna keep doing it. And there's a time and place for that, don't get me wrong. But when we don't turn to Jesus and we're trying to bear this cross all on our own, I think there's a lot of people walking around feeling like they've got a bunch of bricks in a backpack carrying it around. And they just need to realize that, that they can hand it off <laughs> that they can hand that off. When we come to a place and we're being honest and we say, Lord, I want to follow you, but I can't. We're denying our ability to make it happen. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. This is Solomon, son of David writing this, wisest man to ever live. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Jesus fell under the weight of the cross and there was someone there for him. God had Simon there, ready to go. God had Simon there for Jesus, ready to go. So let me ask you this, do you have a Simon there in your life, ready to go? 
For those of you maybe that are watching online, do you have a Simon in your life that can, that can help you? That's one reason we are so all about community here because Jesus is about community. God, the church, it's about community. A life group or a Bible study is a great place if you don't feel like you have that person. That's why we're, we're so passionate about that, about getting together in that way because we're all about community because God is all about community. But here's the even better news is that we don't have a Simon. We have a savior. We have a savior. And that is the best news because we have someone. Jesus had Simon for those moments, those last moments of his life. We have a savior. We have Jesus, and if you want to have life, you want to have a real, abundant life, the way that it was meant to be lived, we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus, and we need to do it every day, and that's more or less the connection point for the day. It's that to be more like Jesus, daily take up your cross. To be more like Jesus, we need to daily take up our cross. It is a way of life. And if we are going to hit the ground running and we are going to reach our community and we are going to reach this world for Jesus and we are going to make an impact in this world for Jesus because let's be honest, we look at the news and we look at, the, at everything that's going on, the only hope for this world is Jesus and his chosen vehicle is the local church. And so the mission that we are all on together is more important than it has ever been. But it's got to start individually with us. It's got to start with us making the commitment to be more like Jesus. And we do that by daily taking up our cross. It's gotta start there. Because when the cross that maybe you're bearing, when the burdens and the anxiety and the fear and all of those things that are bearing down on you drive you to your knees and drive you down to your face possibly, you're gonna see standing next to you, Jesus Christ himself ready to help you. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I thank you so much for your love. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for the clarity of your word. God, I thank you, Lord, so much that we don't have to meet a bar to come to you, Lord. I thank you that we can unload maybe the backpack that we're carrying around and that you're standing right there to help us carry it. God, I thank you so much that we don't have to carry our cross alone. And I thank you for the example of Simon and the example that you gave to us. So Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here or watching online that maybe just feels the burdens that they're they're carrying around are just too much too much to handle lord i pray that they would that they would begin with daily turning to you instead of trying to push through it and take care of it on their own lord because we all attempt to do that help us to turn it over to you lord if maybe there's someone that that doesn't know you as savior maybe they're here maybe they are watching online father i pray that they would realize that you're standing right there, that there's no bar that they have to meet 
that there's no level of perfection that they have to come up to. There's no certain uh, types of behaviors or anything like that that they, have to, that they have to come up to, God, that you're standing right there and that that one-time event that then becomes a lifestyle of living for you can begin right here, right now, if they would just be willing to put their faith and trust in you. God, I pray that that would happen. Pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move. Father, I love you. I thank you in Jesus' name.